0: As the uh, sermon PowerPoint. Do you have the reading? If not, then uh, you could just listen. The sea was... Thank you so much, ladies. Let's bow our heads one more time. Father, thank you so much. Indeed, that's our desire. We want to run not away from you, but towards you. We've been studying the book of Jonah and we see how he was running away from you, Lord. But you pursued him. You made sure that he would turn back to you. And we have no doubt, O Lord, no matter where we are, you are constantly pursuing us that we will turn to you, that we will be in your presence. We thank you for your blessings, calling us to be here to worship you together, whether in person or online, May we continue to fix our eyes on you, and may you lead us, O Lord, so that we will be part of your ministry and continue to experience your grace and mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Verse 11 says, The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So we know that Jonah got on a ship to go to Tarshish. Instead of going to Nineveh, which is northeast, he went west, as far as he can. Because he's on this ship, and because he's running away from God, God had to get his attention. He sent mighty storm. And the boat was in danger, left and right, up and down, because of the storm. They, their life was in danger. They had to throw away their cargo. They were crying out to their gods. And they find Jonah sleeping. So the captain would go went down to uh, the ship to wake him up and you pray to your God while we pray to our God. In this discussion, discover that it was Jonah. He's the main reason why God is doing this. Why? Their life is in danger. This is where we come to today's passage. The sea was getting tougher. It's generally understood that when when we are in a challenged situation, when we are challenged to the the limit, we become defensive. Under this stress, we look way out. And often, we find someone or something to blame. This is us against them. You know, how do I blame myself, my family, and blame others? Professional athletes are really good at this. None of Tiger Woods was probably the best ever, if not top two in the history of the game. Tiger Woods will have a bad day, and it, Anybody could have a bad day, even professionals, but he would come up with excuses. He would say things like, "Well, you know, I hit a perfect shot if it landed and bounced forward, my ball would be right next to the pin. but because he bounced left, I got a bogey, and I had a beautiful shot right down the middle, but then the wind took the ball and it went out of bounds, where I had two shot penalty. so I should have shot uh, minus five instead." I shot plus two. I mean, he, uh, he would make up stories like that, right? and we go, "Oh yeah, yeah, that could have happened." You remember uh, from your history class, the great uh, fire in Rome? July 1964 a.D. So the, some of the historians would say it was the emperor himself who started this fire. You see, his palace, his beautiful palace was right next to the slums, the ghetto area. And he thought, how do I get rid of that ugly thing, ugly section of the city, and expand my palace? So during his vacation, he told some of his people to you know, start a fire. But the fire got out of control. It destroyed a big part of the city. And he came back. This problem got out of hand. And then he remember Christians, so good people. They're hard to, you know, uh, get under his control. So he thought, oh, no, why don't I just blame them? Because he remembered, hey, you need to repent. We need to repent. Otherwise, God would punish us with fire. So he said, they started the fire. And, we know what happened to Adam and Eve. After eating the fruit that they were not supposed to eat, God pursued him. And Adam said, no, 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 it wasn't me. It was the woman that you created. She told me to eat it. And the woman said, no, 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 it wasn't me. It's the serpent that you created. It told me to eat And then we run into Hiphaz. It was the high priest. And he said, it's better for one person to die than destroy the nation. This is what we find in John chapter um, 11, verse 48. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. Then one of them named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than the whole nation perish. This is us against them mentality. The high priest is basically saying it's better to destroy or kill one person than a nation. Who usually say this? A person who's in power. Not him, but Jesus. It's better to kill that man than destroy the entire nation. Because Romans, they're not going to be happy with him if he keeps stirring up troubles and they will come and, and become more harsh and oppress us even more so that they will take away our privileges. That's not good. Let's just get rid of one person. Because he knows it's not going to be him. It's going to be someone else. This is what we see in verse 11. They said, what shall we do to you? This is a question, but not really a question. They know Jonah is the reason why their life is in trouble. So they said, what shall we do to you? Meaning, how do do we get rid of you and fix this problem? That's what they're saying. This is when Jonah said uh, in verse 12, pick me up and throw me overboard. I admit, you got me. I'm the reason. So throw me overboard. Now think about that for a second. Does that make sense? They're in the middle of the storm. The boat, left and right, up and down. They're throwing away cargo. It's a chaotic situation. Why is Jonah asking them to throw him overboard? How many men does it take? One, two, three, or four? Right? It doesn't make sense. He should just say, okay, you got me. It's my pet." My so he would just run and go, whoo, whoo, go off the boat. Right? He could have done that. It makes more sense that way. Why cause more trouble? Throw me overboard. So I you know, I like to use my imagination when I'm reading the, the scripture. So I kept searching for a good logical answer. I couldn't find any. I kept praying and praying, and I thought of Farig's son. Remember when he was in a pig's pen starving to death? And then he remembered, wait a minute, my father is wealthy. His servants, they always have enough to eat. Why am I here in pig's pen starving to death, when I could go back home. Maybe even I could be one of his servants. Still, I'll be better off. That's when he got up and started going back. It was that recognition, that understanding, started the reconciliation process. Of course, his father welcomed him with open arms, and he was restored to his position and all those things. We have to remember that God pursues us, even in the midst of our sins. We'll be better off in God's arms. So, I don't think this is kill me kind of thing. Jonah is telling the sailors, throw me overboard. Because he's surrendering his life to God. He's allowing the sailors to experience his God, the creator, creator of the land and sea, for them to experience this almighty God, just as he did. This is something new for Jonah. He's using this situation. Now, he's pivoting, mind you. Instead of running away, okay, God, you got me. I surrender. I was running away from you, but you pursued me. So I surrender. I'm going to yield my life to you. Throw me overboard. It's not like, okay, just kill me, okay? Then the sea will become calm. So when you throw me overboard, God will spare you. But not only you, I don't know how, but he's going to make this work. I might die. That's true. But I know God will do something. I trust in my God. If He takes away my life, okay, I'll be with Him. But if He chooses not to, I know He will do something. But he'll receive glory. But I believe it was with this attitude that Jonah said, Throw me overboard. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Isn't this basically what He said, he didn't say this, but he's saying, throw me overboard. Hey, Romans, hey, Israelites, throw me overboard. Even though it wasn't his, even though it wasn't his sins, he said, okay, throw me overboard. It's okay. That's the question that I would like for us to understand and meditate on. As we pursue God together, as we strive to serve God and, and honor him and glorify him and expand his kingdom, are we willing to say, throw me overboard. For God's sake, for his ministry's sake, for his people's sake, throw me overboard. Okay, it's my fault. May I copper, may I max my It's my mistake. It's my mistake. It's my Even if it's not your mistake, are we willing to say that to edify one another for the sake of God's ministry? Are we willing to say, My bad, throw me overboard, God will take care of me, throw me overboard? St. Augustine said similar things. Alex, oh, happy sin, he called it. It's because he did a lot of those in his heyday, before accepting Jesus Christ. But through his sins, God drew him closer. Through his sins, he recognized God who is gracious and who is merciful, who is loving. And that's his point. Even though we might sin, if this sin brings us closer to God, oh, happy sin. Paul said it too. Romans 6, what shall we say then? Shall we continue to live in sin so that God's grace will increase? What he's saying is, we cannot outrun God's grace. So, you know, if we sin this much, God will cover us with this much. If we sin this much, imagine how much grace we could experience. Although he says, certainly not. But that was his belief. That's his theology. We cannot outrun God's grace. But so we are always under God's grace. If that's the case, why not say, okay, my bad, throw me overboard? But this is where Jonah is right now. I was running away from God. And because of me, all these things are happening. Can you imagine? Jonah knew God, but not this much. I mean, God is shaking the Mediterranean Sea and the entire ocean on earth to get his attention. God is sending storm to get this person's attention. This is how much I love you, Jonah. I am pursuing you. And Jonah was all, I didn't know you would do this much. Throw me over. I trust in you, Lord. Do whatever you want to do with me. Yesterday I was attending uh, Kim's father's funeral. It turned out to be a revival meeting, not a memorial service. People came up to share about her dad and his love for God, his love for his family, his love for even strangers. Like he would strike a conversation with strangers. But like he would just have the opportunity to share Jesus Christ. <laughs> and even before as he's getting older, he share with his family to go with the Lord. God gave him one more chance leave his legacy falling he protected his great grandchild because she has yet to accept Jesus Christ. He protected her. Thrown overboard. It is this kind of love, it is this kind of mindset that we need to embrace. Every once in a while it's gonna happen all of us we could, effectively, fall on the sword, as they say. Take one for the team, for God's team. When that time comes, are you just gonna defend yourself over and over and over? Oh no, no, no! It's not me. It's not me. Or are you gonna say, "Throw me overboard"? It's on me. So Jonah's compassion for the people were well received. Verse 13. Instead, the men did not, sorry, the men did their best to roll back to land. They were afraid to throw Jonah overboard. Even though they knew Jonah was the reason, even though Jonah said, okay, you got me, throw me overboard, they said, oh, let's try one more thing first. they, They were trying to get to a safe place. Wasn't working. So they cried out to God. Listen to this prayer. I mean, this verse. Then they cried out to the Lord. Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, whether he was an innocent. For you, Lord, have done as you please. Now they're focusing on this God. They don't know. But through Jonah, they're getting to know this God. We find in verse 15. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm, and the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. So what do we see here? We see these non-believers, the sailors, worshiping God, basically, right? Offering sacrifice. Having this healthy fear. Just (laughs) going out of control. We see not just Jonah, but entire uh, people on the ship, shifting, focusing their attention to God. Because Jonah was willing to say, me overboard. Are we willing to see that? That is, are we willing to suffer for Christ? Are we willing to take the blame? Are we willing to fall on the sword for the team? When we choose to run away from God, He pursues us. Sometimes He has to send great to get attention. When we recognize this, we need to turn back right away. We always have to look around. It could become an opportunity for us to lead others to Christ. God is constantly searching for true worshipers. God is constantly searching for servants who are willing to obey him and to be part of the ministry of saving others around us. There's a story of Noah. Mm-hmm. This is not in the Bible, of course. Noah's story is, but this story is not in the Bible. But in Jewish tradition, this is somewhat popular. So Noah is building ark. He finished uh, the project. So He's just waiting. You know, and God told him, okay, I'm going to give you a sign. When the well water turns red, that's a sign when you should get all the animals into the ark and go into the ark. So every day, Jonah will come down and, and check on the well. And he'll go back. You know, every day, this is what he's doing. So the kids, they figured. So they put food color in. And one day, Noah came out. He turned red. Immediately, he, you know, his family together went to go in. All the animals and the family, they got the ark. While all these kids are just laughing, you know, and they all oh, got him good. But it was then, as the story goes, that God sent rain. God could use anybody. God could use any situation. We're just part of this big picture. God is inviting us. He doesn't need us. But He's providing opportunities for us to be part of this plan. Long ago, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they came together and go, well, how do we say the people, the sinners? But God said, I will do this he just said, I will do this. The Holy Spirit said, I will do this. We we're part of that project. In our personal life, in our church life, we need to remember this big project. This is why we we're called. And along the way, we're going to run into different people, different situations, where we might have to say, throw me over for the sake of God's ministry. Who threw Jonah overboard? Jonah chapter 2, verse 3. You hurled me into the depth, into the very heart of the seas. This is what Jonah would say in chapter 2. So God is the one. Even though Jonah asked, the sailors, and even though they were they the ones who threw Jonah overboard, Jonah had a clear understanding. If God wants me to go overboard, then it's okay. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know he will take care of me. In this situation, my question is, are we willing to say, throw me overboard? Remember Joseph? He was sold as a slave in Egypt. When he finally met his brothers, he said, Don't be angry. It wasn't you. God sent me ahead of you so that I would use me to spare your life. God is in control of our life, of all situations. If we trust God, we could say this without any hesitation. Throw me overboard. Father, thank you so much. Our desire is to follow you, O Lord. At times, we will be in difficult situations. There will be misunderstandings. There will be chaos all around us. When that happens, O Lord, are we willing to say, throw me overboard. I pray, O Lord, that you will empower us, that you will help us to keep our trust in you, that we will yield to you and offer ourselves as a living sacrifice for your sake, for your ministry's sake. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.